0: And welcome, everybody. Welcome back to the Stephen Talk Soccer Podcast. I am back again doing what I love to do best here to talk some more football, some more Premier League action all over again. It's been a long time since I've done another episode. And of course, you know, I'm certain you guys have probably been missing me. I've been missing doing this myself. Without any further introduction, before I get straight into the thick of this episode, which, as always, in 20 minutes, we'll be covering absolutely everything that's taken place in the world of football. Please do me a lovely favor of leaving, uh, you know, a follow, a rating. Sharing this with whoever you know loves football as much as we do on this podcast. I know it seems like I made a lot of empty promises in terms of other content you guys would be getting. And for that, I'm very, very, very sorry, but I have to keep mentioning and keep stressing this is not the only thing that I do. I have many other things on the horizon building up for me in the background. But I do try to keep this as regular as possible. It's been a month since I've last recorded an episode. So that clearly tells you that it's, you know, I've been doing quite a lot in the meantime since I've last come onto the mic and talked some football. But that will change, and going forward, it will be a much more frequent basis. But as of right now, I'm enjoying the fact that I'm able to just appreciate the football, soak it in, and then deliver it to you guys in a very condensed and concise manner. Mm-hmm. Oh my, I'm so sorry for that. Um, it's not really much to say vis-a-vis, you know, like week by week, what's happening in the Premier League. More so, the bigger stories that happen on a you know month to month basis, or I think bi-weekly basis, or every two weeks or so. For example, you know you had the the Merseyside Derby, which Liverpool won two nothing, which I think was uh, always going to happen. It never felt like Liverpool weren't going to win that. Uh, Mohamed Salah getting himself back into form as of recent. Liverpool have looked very good this season, despite not really bolstering that midfield position in terms of replacing uh, Fabinho and Henderson, who played in that deeper defensive midfield number six position but the likes of Dominic Saboshlai who for me has been one of the best players in the Premier League this season has been a revelation likewise with McAllister and of course the classic Liverpool trio especially Darwinius Nunez who's been on a terror I mean scored a screamer scored a wonderful goal for Liverpool in the AFL Cup just yesterday against Bournemouth to make them win the game was a really well taken finish I might add I really enjoyed the goal from Darwin and I think Nunez is going to continue to have a very good season I think Liverpool are going to have a very good season actually I think Europa League I mean, Liverpool have been cooking in the Europa League as well. Is anyone really surprised by that? No, Liverpool in Europa League is basically a joke. And they're the kind of team with the quality they have and the manager they have that if, they reach, if they're in that competition, you probably expect them to win it. That's kind of expectation from Liverpool fans. And if it's not, you guys can let me know. But I would genuinely be shocked that they weren't expecting uh, success right away in that competition. Yeah, Liverpool winning 2-0 in that game in the Merseyside Derby. We had, you know, Wolves who were finally picking up some form. Brentford, who of course got a big win against Burnley and a big even bigger win against Chelsea. We'll get to that game in a bit as well. Manchester City being on a tear after losing against Arsenal, winning their games uh, against Brighton and then against Manchester United in the Derby 3 nothing. We will talk about that as well. Um, I guess we can get straight into that right away actually but the City versus Arsenal game where Gabriel Martinelli scores a goal the only goal of the game, deflected goal a deflected yeah, strike that went into the back of the net one nothing for us it on that match a very dull game I'd add that wasn't a very popular or very eye-catching performance from either team and that's part of the reason why I'm not really going to talk about it for very long I think the main takeaways from both of those teams right now is that for Manchester City when Rodri doesn't play they're a different team and different team in a bad way I'd argue I don't think Rico Lewis I don't think Kovacic who I've never rated I don't think uh what's his name um, Foden or Bernardo Silva or Mateus Nunez, Calvin Phillips, none of these guys are capable uh, of fitting in and filling in that role in the midfield that kind of let lets City be City and have that safety net defensively where they can just go out and attack and express themselves. Because when City can do that, they're able to beat literally anyone in Europe. Um But yeah, Brighton, they beat marginally, but Haaland is finally finding his form again, now having 11 goals in the Premier League in 11 games. I think the golden boot is guaranteed to be his. Of course, we have the Tottenham element, and Tottenham have been brilliant this season. There's no one that can deny that. Spurs have been playing some really great football and have uh, had some great combination play, some excellent performances from the likes of Madison, who, I mean, if you know me, I said Madison's one of the best players in the Premier League literally about two years ago. If you heard me say that, you probably aren't surprised to hear me say that now again. But Spurs really have blown me away. I don't think it's going to last as long as most people think it will. But that's just me. Same way I didn't think Arsenal would win the Premier League last season. And I got that right. Same thing, I think, with Spurs. Spurs will be up in amongst it, especially because they have no European football and are also out of the Carabao Cup. So all their fixtures and all their attention goes exclusively to the Premier League. And Ange Postacoglia has got the boys playing a different brand of football that we haven't seen at Spurs since, arguably, let's maybe save Maurizio Pochettino, ironically, who Spurs played this weekend in Chelsea. Um... Speaking of Chelsea, Chelsea have had a mixed bag of performances themselves. Of course, you know, drawing 2-2 with the Gunners at Stamford Bridge in a game they probably should have won. But, of course, Chelsea are still a very youthful and new and inex- inexperienced team and had a bit of a holler moment from the goalkeeper Robert Santas that allowed Declan Rice, who people think is the greatest midfielder since, I don't even know, uh, uh, let me give you a name, the greatest midfielder since, like, you know, uh Clarence Sedorf, And... um as a result, Chelsea drew two-two in that game. Again, they deserved to win. They were by far the better team. They played the better football in the night. I thought Chelsea actually looked quite good for the majority of the game until they conceded the uh, the first goal uh, to from to, to Arsenal and Declan Rice's long range effort. And then, of course, they kind of capitulated after that. But Chelsea had been a mixed bag because then against Brentford, Chelsea were absolutely shocking. But to be real, I don't—I never thought Chelsea were going to win that game. Chelsea suck in these matches against low block opposition who come to the bridge or anywhere they play against Chelsea, whether that's home or away. They sit up in a very defensive block and Chelsea struggle to break them down. Now, in terms of ability and talent in Chelsea's team, I do think Chelsea have arguably one of the best teams in the Premier League, I'd argue even the world. And the reason why I think that is because I feel like the midfield position is so well bolstered that the only real element of Chelsea's team that needs reinforcement is up front. Because, of course, we've seen Nicholas Jackson have stinker after stinker. Yes, he had a great game against Burnley prior to the international break, but post-international break, he's been shocking. And he's probably not going to be good against Spurs either, and it really won't surprise me. But in terms of Cole Palmer, who I think has been Chelsea's player of the month this month, and has been easily our best player in, in most matches for Chelsea, um, I think he's made a big impact on the team. Same thing with the likes of... uh uh, even Conor Gallagher, I think he's had a resurgent season so far. He's been brilliant with the midfield trio of Enzo Fernandez and Moises Caicedo who I know are going to be very good. As much as people don't want to admit it, people know Chelsea are going to be good. I think we all do. I don't think it's going to be this season until much later, maybe the last 10 games when, it, you know, are the Kunkus and Lavia's of the world and, other players come into the fold. But really the team on paper is looking good. Even Mikhailo Mudrik, who people are saying, Oh, Mudrik's going to be a flop. He's terrible. Let's be real. Mudrik is full of talent. We know he is. We're just waiting for it to be, to blossom and to really nurture itself and grow. But offensively, Chelsea struggle, especially against teams who sit back and keep themselves compact defensively and are excellent in the air because Chelsea suck aerially Uh, and as a result they lose ideas and then you know they force themselves to kind of pervert to type and just play very simplistic football that the opposition can easily defend against then they score in the counter and the game is finished so that's been Chelsea's issue. Now on to the other team in, in the Premier League, in the top six, who's been a bit uh, concerning in Manchester United, who, you know, yes, they've beaten Sheffield United 2-1 and then they went on to beat Brentford themselves 2-1, you know, after two late Scooby-Doo goals um you know uh, i think people have realized united have reached their, their their end here in terms of like just how bad they can get and i'm not here to bet, to you know to beat them up and say though united are terrible because you know can't even know me i was a, a hidden closeted chelsea fan which i still quietly am until you know we start playing proper football consistently um uh, and i know the pain it comes from watching a team that was once an elite team in Europe and also in the Premier League become a, a team that's a bit, you know, irrelevant almost and kind of 50-50 depending on the day. And United are no different from that description. I watched them against Newcastle and I thought they were very poor. Uh, Newcastle are another team who are on the up and up and will have a big game against Arsenal this uh, this upcoming weekend. We'll talk about those pictures in a minute. But United in particular, I mean, do they get rid of Eric Ten Hag? I personally don't think that they should just yet. I think they should keep on to him. Not only for the banter sake of a, a rival fan to laugh at the fact That Ten Hag is still there, but the manager is not going. Is not the issue, and he's not going to change anything for United by him uh, being sacked. It's not going to make their fortunes better by him being gone. I don't think that football works that simplistically. To be fair, I don't think, uh, you know, cont- in the contrary to that, I don't think Ten Hag is an excellent tactician. I never did. Uh, United were playing some decent football last season, to give them credit. There were some games where I actually was like, okay, there's something growing here. But this season has shown me that they've taken at least 10 steps backwards with recruitment and, and you know, playing style strategy and consistent performances and just overall cohesion. There seems to be a lot going on behind the scenes that affects their on-pitch performances. And I feel like that's partly done to the manager who's not been able to kind of corral the group together as one tight fit you know unit you see with Spurs you see with Manchester City you see with Arsenal you see with Liverpool you see with Aston Villa who we'll get to where you know the team is playing for the manager and has that they all have the same mentality whether they're playing Newcastle as well with Eddie Howe you can see there's a unity a a sense of understanding a sense of togetherness and it's just a basic thing to say like oh why do these things matter this is nothing to do with on the field performance so they just kick the ball around and you know they know each other well enough they played played with a lot of them and played with each other for long enough but football is deeper than that it's about Sometimes it is about your mental. It is about the emotional side of the game, and United have lacked that ability to find that heart and that that uh, um, linked desire amongst each other for a long time, and that stems from you know the fan base being having I wouldn't say over-expecting, because let's be honest they were the most they are the most successful team in English Premier League history, but the issue is more so that United have reached a point where no matter who they bring in, they go through the same cycle. Every single coach that they have, which is partly because of the ownership and how poor that the club is run at the top, and also the recruitment that they have, and just even the the personalities of which they they bring into the team are so differing from each other, which just creates such a, a you know disharmony in the in the, in the team. Um, but I just find that when I watch United, you know, like like I call them disconnected or you know Manchester divided for a reason there's too many players that play for themselves and not play for the for the actual side, like not playing for the eleven, not playing for as a team, playing more so for their own success. And the moment you do that, especially the big club, you're taking your team from a level it's supposed to be at to a level where it is now, which is they're just praying for a one nothing win in a you know a terrible shit housed two one victory or a terrible penalty, a free kick, a set piece, a corner kick, whatever that gets you know bundled in or whatever bundled in, whatever the word is. That's what United look like right now. And they have for some time. I think even post-Fergie, we think that's going to be very well uh, attributed to them. Um, I don't see them exiting their Champions League group. I really don't. If they do have, you know, fair play, but they won't be in the Champions League for much longer. I think they'll get kicked out sooner or later if they advance from the group stage. Uh, and that's kind of my take on United for now. I don't know what exactly they're supposed to do, especially because the ownership takeover from, you know, Sheikh Jassim Mansour, was that his name? Uh we're supposed to be the Qataris were supposed to take over the United, you know, this past recent summer and also this uh, sometime this season, but it never happened. And now they're looking at Sir Jim Ratcliffe and Ineos, the company that Sir Jim Ratcliffe is the owner of and is also, you know, the owner of Nice, and the club in France as well. He's going to be taking 25% uh, ownership of United at some point. I think that that will go through, but that won't be enough. United still won't, won't have gotten rid of the owners, the Glazers, who really kept them, you know, um, as a sleeping giant for so long now. But let's kind of move on to Aston Villa, for example, who I think have been genuinely exceptional this season. They've been easily my favorite team to watch, actually. I love watching Aston Villa play football. I'm not a John McGinn fan, so barring John McGinn, who I, he's been decent. He's been actually very really good this season, but I don't like watching him play. But the rest of the team, I'm a big fan of. I like Ollie Watkins. I really do enjoy um, Douglas Deweese. I think he's a player I've liked for some time. Players like Bubakar Kamara, I like him a lot. I think he's been very excellent. They have a great goalkeeper in Martinez. Uh even Ezri Conza for me has been impressive. I don't really rate Paulo Torres, but he's been decent. You know, he knows uh, Emery Ball very well. Um I really think Villa have a big not Villa. Yeah, Villa. Villa have a big future ahead of them in terms of what they can accomplish in the Conference League. They look like they're just strolling past oppositions week in, week out. Like they literally win every game in the Conference League by a margin of four goals or less. Sorry, or or more. Uh, they've been really, really impressive, Aston Villa. I love the way that Emery has gotten his team to play the football they want to almost immediately, especially at home. Villa looked genuinely unbeatable, and uh, it doesn't matter who goes to Villa Park, but they're going to lose. I don't know who Villa played this weekend, but I can guarantee you, they're not. Villa will not be losing. Nottingham Forest, Villa will not be losing that game. That's going to be a comfortable win for the villains, I think. Um, anything else I really need to mention? Yeah, I mean, we can move forward with the fixtures now. More specifically, you can kind of get more into detail. Of course, Messi, you know, we'll talk about that now, actually. Let's talk more about the Ballon d'Or, the bigger picture, Lionel Messi winning his eighth Ballon d'Or of his career, what I think will be his final Ballon d'Or. In my opinion, this is another robbery. I don't think Messi deserved to win that Ballon d'Or. And you're going to say, why didn't he deserve it? Why didn't he deserve it? Because I think Erling Haaland deserved to win that Ballon d'Or. It's not that Messi didn't play well. He was exceptional with Argentina. Nobody can deny that. But Haaland's season was, for me, trumps what Messi had done for club and country. We're only giving Messi the Ballon d'Or based on his, you know, his ability. Obviously, he's a world class player. They're not the, the elite player, but not the best player of all time. But the fact that uh, Holland, for me, with the way he what he accomplished with City in his first season and able to win the treble so instinctively felt like so natural to him, like he played for City for fifty years, uh, really knew really knew the culture right away. Was bled into City team so quickly, scored so many goals, was so crucial, was so. Um, uh, integral to City's success. I've just felt like he deserved it more for me, given how City absolutely rinsed the world of football last season. And I don't think people really give that enough credit. It's partly because of the club that he plays for, Holland. Nobody cares about Manchester City. That's the honest truth. If he had played and done that for Manchester United, he probably would have won it. That just tells you the bias in football, but that's just the game, you know? But I mean, fair play to Messi. I'm happy for him. The GOAT continues to be the GOAT. Like, there's no denying that. Like, I mean, I'm always going to be a Ronaldo Stan because that's a player I used to look up to even more so. Um based on you know his 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 come up Ronaldo but in terms of ability of course it's always going to be Let A messy and he's proved that again in the winning Argentina their their uh their most recent World Cup. So on that front, I'm a bit frustrated, but football has become so fickle and and just weird when it comes to these things. But regardless, let's move on. You know we got uh, some really big wins here in the Premier League. Of course, we had Arsenal beating Sheffield United five nothing. I think Sheffield United are doomed. I don't know how any of these promoted teams, newly promoted sides, are going to go, are going to survive. I think Burnley are also doomed. I thought they'd stay up. I do think Burnley will get relegated. I would not be surprised. They've actually played some decent football, Burnley, but they literally just can't find a way to keep a consistent ninety minutes of a performance. They play well in moments and have actually some good passages of play, but never enough to win a match of football. And especially in a league that's so demanding where you have to be excellent, you have to be brilliant, you have to be elite, you have to be on form, you have to be on point for 90 minutes straight in order to really keep yourself afloat in the game. Especially when you're a weaker side like Burnley are, who are just returning to the Premier League after Sean. After last time and Sean Dyche was there with them in the Premier League himself. Um, anything else I really want to talk about? I mean, the next couple of fixtures are going to get interesting. Justin plays Spurs this weekend. And I'm actually gonna back my boys. You know, I do think Chelsea will get a result from this game. I could see Spurs winning as well because they've been playing at home. They have some momentum. They beat Chelsea last year in the same fixture, mind you. That was a much different Chelsea team with a coach who didn't suit Chelsea's uh, ethos and Graham Potter. And I love Potter in terms of his brand of football, but just was not Chelsea level in terms of bite and hunger and passion and, and also just CV and resume prior to going into uh, the Chelsea job. I do think things will diff- English. I do think things will be different for. For Chelsea this time, their fortunes won't be as poor as they were last season at the stadium. But Chelsea are yet to beat a team in the top ten, I think, in like since April twenty twenty two, which is ridiculous. But I think that's again because of the change of ownership, the change of like you know like direction, the change of of uh, strategy, of planning, and all those things, and future proofing the team, etc. Uh, and that's really what's been taking place. So a lot of the immediate results have suffered as a result. And Chelsea actually play well. And according to expected goals and their expected performance in the season, they should currently be fifth in the table. Now, that doesn't mean anything because, of course, you are where you are, but it just shows you that the teams can play better and still lose. And I think this will probably be another example where Chelsea probably play well and still lose. Uh that just happened. I mean, the inexperience in the Chelsea team shows every single week. A lot of the other teams in the top six, including Brighton and Villa, Newcastle. These guys, they have players that know the Premier League well and have a well-gelled eleven that added a couple pieces. Chelsea have had to had to basically give an entirely themselves an entirely new eleven, which changes the, the you know the, the the trajectory of a team almost instantly. Now, if the case is that Pochettino is going to be either Champions League or bust, which I think is what I've been told, you know, through the insiders at Chelsea, is crazy. Because if that's the case, then I mean chelsea are doomed like they have been for some time since my boy edin left because you can't keep sacking coaches with such a young team and expect that the next coach is going to take a young team after one season and propel them into the champions league i think there's tempered expectations that need to be had and i do think that that will be a very interesting game this weekend to see what this young team can can produce in a big game kind of like what they did against arsenal but hopefully for 90 minutes uh fulham versus manchester united i do think that uh That would be an interesting game. I think United probably will win it just because they have some nonsense goal they always get from some moment of brilliance, although they'll play poorly. Uh, Brentford-West Ham will be an excellent game. Brentford are a very good team. I actually really like them. I think they're a bit overrated in my opinion because I think they're going to get found out at some point. Not just in this because of their their recent triumph and their recent wins recently, but... I don't think this brand of football can exist and can can uh, can live on through the time test, you know, over time to keep doing the same Brexit style of football in a way. It's not really Brexit, but what I mean is this long ball, like no possession, just scoring on counterattacks. But Brentford are excellent against big sides. So it's not really a surprise that they were very good against Chelsea and against other teams this season as well that are higher up in the table. Uh, city bournemouth that's a foregone conclusion. That's obviously for City. No, Villa-Forest, same thing. Liverpool-Luton, same thing. Newcastle Arsenal, and that's going to be a very good game. Uh, I'm actually going to back Newcastle to win that one. I do think Newcastle can give Arsenal their first loss of the season. I think the unbeaten run for both of these North, or undefeated run for both these North London teams is going to come to an end very soon. Especially Arsenal, I think are going to be in a bit of a rut very much quicker than people think. They could beat Newcastle. They can equally beat them, and you know it wouldn't be massively surprising because they have a very good team. But I do think that form and momentum and just that, the, you know, the thickness and the heaviness of the season is really hitting Arsenal now. And I think it will start to hit Spurs, too, who have much less football to play. But the expectation on Spurs will rise and pressure will rise. And, you know, either you fold or you make diamonds. So we're going to see which happens to Spurs. But, uh, yeah, that's all I got to say for this episode. Thank you guys again for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed it. My little quick little rundown of what's happening. I will be more frequent. So I'll have more, you know, detailed stuff based on what's happening week by week or biweekly. Of course, the Champions League is still happening as well. But uh, that's all I got to say for the world of football for right now. I mean, keep watching teams like Girona. Let me give you five teams to watch. The last thing I'll say. I know it's over 20 minutes, whatever. Teams to watch this season. Watch Girona in La Liga. They've, they've been exceptional. Girona, I've, re- I've really enjoyed them play their football. Uh, I would also say to watch uh, Stuttgart in the Bundesliga. They've been exceptional as well. Uh, I would also say to watch Nice um Have also been good in Uber in the Uber Eats League, and oh, and the last team I have to tell you guys to watch. This is a must: is Bayer Leverkusen. If whatever you can do, go and watch a Bayer Leverkusen game. Now, I'm not advocating for the Bundesliga being an elite league. I don't really think it is. I don't think Bundesliga football is the most appealing to me as a fan, as a, me as a soccer fan. However. Barry Leverkusen are absolutely cooking right now. Them, I'd say Leipzig, are looking really good this season. I love watching Javi Simons I think he's a very good player. They've replaced Nkunku and uh, Sibosh Life quite well, in my opinion. Leipzig, they've done a very good job, and uh, yeah, just say to keep an eye on those guys for sure, you know. And, and um, yeah, that's all I gotta say for this episode. Thank you guys again, as always, for listening, for coming to the Steven Talk Soccer Zone. I appreciate you guys, you know, tuning in once more. Make sure to like. Well, that's not a youtube video make sure to share make sure to leave a, a rating a review on the steven talk soccer podcast wherever you get your podcasts on and make sure to share it with every, with wh- whoever you know that loves football as much as you do as much as we do on the steven talk soccer podcast so thank you guys again for listening i've been your boy the don and as i always say say it with me hey everyone are you enjoying the content please be sure to leave a rating and a review and to check out my other episodes if you're looking for more Steven Talk Soccer content, you can find me at STS Pod on Instagram, at Steve Talks on Twitter, and at Steven Talk Soccer on TikTok. Become a consistent starter in the STS squad.